0: The Andy J Podcast The Andy J Podcast The Andy J Podcast Hey there, welcome to the very latest Andy J podcast. I hope you're having an excellent week. Thank you for choosing us. We really, really appreciate it. One hell of a conversation on the way for you. And and also, we have another podcast out this week with a special guest. More on him in a second. First I'm going to tell you about today. We are here with Mr. Harry Enfield. I was so thrilled when I was told that Harry was up for chatting to us. I was absolutely elated because Harry, well, he's just comedy gold, Isn't he? He's just—he's hilarious. He's the guy whose catchphrases and character inventions we have all grown up with, regardless of how old you are. Whether you're my dad or my son, or me, we know a Harry Enfield slogan or seven or twenty. Love him. He's just—he's just brilliant. He's in *The Windsors* end game uh, at the theatre at the West End, the Prince Charles Theatre, the Prince of Wales Theatre rather, um, which is currently out now, and I think it plays until middle of October. And so that's why we managed to get him on. But yeah, Harry, he's just, he's solid gold. He's solid gold. In a couple of days' time, we will be bringing you another podcast this week with the brilliant Reverend Richard Coles. Now, there's a man that's lived a life from the communards through to the clergy and a whole lot of fun and antics in between. He is a fascinating character, so I'm looking forward to you hearing that one. If you follow the show, because I believe that's the new word for subscribe, I don't think you're allowed to subscribe to podcasts anymore. You follow them, don't you? So if you are a follower of this show, you'll get a reminder in a couple of days telling you that there's a new episode. It'll be Reverend Richard Coles. But for today, I'm delighted to say, here is Harry Enfield. The Andy J Podcast. I am so excited to welcome my very special guest, a man who has made, well, every generation of my family Basically wet themselves with laughter. It's the one and only Harry Enfield. How are you doing, Harry?
1: Oh, I'm all right, thank you. But I'm sorry that I've made everyone wet themselves.
0: The youngest is still in nappies, so we're okay.
1: A family of incontinence. (laughs)
0: and it's all because of you no this is i mean harry when i found out we were chatting it got me sort of reminiscing about the countless hours where i have cried laughing at your characters i've been chatting to my wife my parents and then i thought i've got three kids three young boys and i thought i'm gonna just see if they will find some of these because it's like maybe not age appropriate but i'm gonna try it anyway and (laughs) Honestly, it's now become the go-to thing whenever the iPad's out. It's like, can we watch some more of The Funny Man? Yes, we can. Oh,
1: that's lovely. Oh, that's really good.
0: It's brilliant. Mind you, there are some catchphrases kicking around my house now that I I hope don't follow them into school, if you know what I mean.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I had, in fact, um, my latest man is uh, nearly, he's two. He's just about to be two. Cara Johnson, (laughs) who's in our play, The Windsor's. Uh, end game in the West End at the moment, which we'll get on to, I'm sure we certainly will. But um, Cara's uh, son, who's like tiny, and he came in the other day, and uh, while we were doing our warm up, and I started sort of barking at him, just going woof woof, and he started barking back. So I thought, well, we'll we'll pretend we're dogs because <laughs> little kids are a bit like dogs anyway, especially little boys. You know? <laughs> I do. And, know. <laughs> uh, so we had a great little woofing conversation. And then the next morning I was on um, GMTV, uh sorry, Good Morning Britain, and uh, Cara told me she came in later and said, you know, she just had it on in the background. And then suddenly I appeared, and her son started woofing at the television. <laughs> <laughs> Going, woof, woof,
0: woof. <laughs> so it's a new character, Harry. I mean, it's a yeah, so me. I thought,
1: well, that's my new catchphrase. What?
0: <laughs> well, you've had, I mean, this is the thing, I was thinking about this, you've had so many catchphrases, because obviously you've created so many comedy characters. Yeah. I've been thinking, who do you most get? Like, when people stop you in the street, which must happen constantly, who are you most quoted at? What's the catchphrase that you hear most frequently?
1: Well, I think loads of money these days, really. <laughs> it's, it's a, you know, it's usually I get told I'm a legend, which means I'm really old. Um <laughs> But, <laughs> and that sort of happens to you at some stage I think it happened to me when I was about 40 right. so many people started mm-hmm. saying I was a legend and I thought well that's nice I think but I think it means old and there should be a sort of society that helps people like me get used to being called a legend. so sort of, probably with someone like Peter Shilton at his head. you know um, mm-hmm. who probably became a legend about the same age far too young to be a legend really Um,
0: 40 does feel too young to be fair yeah it does
1: but that's when it started with me so i get that a lot but i get loads of money a lot still and you know i still do a bit loads of money occasionally but for special occasions and things charity things you know um but yeah i suppose that's the one that will go down on my (laughs) grave gravestone
0: what will it what will it say
1: well actually i know what i want on my gravestone uh Peter Cook left it on my answer phone once, uh, and it just said, "It's that the answer phone of the great Sir Harold Enfield, lauded by his equals, feared by his rivals, and loathed by all and sundry? <laughs> and I thought, That's what I want on my gravestone.
0: That's a man.
1: That little joke <laughs> would last for hundreds of years. People would laugh and think, who was this bloke who was loathed? Well, that
0: you can just imagine them like checking it out in, say, five hundred years time, and looking yeah. up, and and by then, you know, like comedy may not be a thing in five hundred years
1: time. So no, it'll they, be banned by
0: then. <laughs> it'll be banned. So they might think that you were all these people, you know.
1: Yes, yeah, loaded and seers and loaves. <laughs> I probably am anyway.
0: <laughs> well you've not i mean look this is one of the things you obviously you've had the legend status now What well, you're 60 now right so you've you've had about yeah. 20 years of people coming up to you saying legend now i might be completely wrong harry because i i only look out for the good things and i tend to ignore newspapers and headlines and everything else but i feel like you're talking about being loathed obviously it's not something i've ever witnessed from you I've, i feel like you've never really had like smear campaigns or, you know, infield, whatever, you know, just cancel culture and so on. I I don't feel like anyone's gone for you, if you know what I mean.
1: Uh, Yeah, I've been gone for a few times. You know, sometimes I've said things that people don't like and then they make a bit of mischief about it, but I don't give a money.
0: Isn't that part and parcel of comedy, though? I mean...
1: Yeah, of course it is, you know, and it's part and parcel of uh, discussion and being open about things, you know. And, uh, you know, people say, a lot of people say to me these days, oh, comedy's dead, you're not allowed to be funny anymore and all that. But that's rubbish. You know, there's lots of funny stuff on And I'm proud of everything I've ever done. So, you know, anyone who doesn't like that can can go and jump in the lake, as they say, or the Hampstead Pond.
0: Have a refreshing swim. Yeah.
1: Yeah, have have a refreshing swim, exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, we've seen comedy change, though, haven't we, Harry? Because, obviously... The mainstay of of your early career was was sketch comedy. You know, creating these wonderful characters, putting them in great scenarios, and and the rest follows. Uh, And I'm not sure we see as much of of that these days.
1: No, it's really expensive to make, Andy, that's why. Uh, It's much easier to do a, a panel show with four people in a studio than to have characters that, you know, when we were doing ours, if you're filming five or six characters a day, then you've got all the makeup, all the costume changes, and that's half your filming day so it's about three times as expensive as making a normal comedy show and every year they cut the budgets and things and the last one that i did with paul white house harry and paul and we did some really just to amuse ourselves really and we we had a very different following it was like on bbc 2 and we had like really really die hard fans but much less you know about a million and a half two million or something Still a good and, number. But they sure. were kind of completely devoted to it. But in the end, it got to such a stage that we just couldn't afford to do it anymore. So, you know, and make it to the standard we wanted to make it. So that's what happened to us. You you know?
0: Know, that's that's so interesting to hear that because you don't you don't sort of think about the makeup time eating into filming and all the rest of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's basically what happens. You know, I'm not blaming anyone for that, but they, I think also sketch comedy it would be all right if sketch comedies sort of travelled abroad, but uh, it doesn't really, um, you know, it doesn't really travel that much, whereas sitcoms do, because they're just sort of ideas. So they're easier to sell abroad. So if you're making a comedy that costs a lot more than a sitcom and you can't sell it abroad, yeah. then, you know, it's a sort of double whammy on you, really. You know, there are a few people, it was like really funny... Um, Tony um, Visconti, you know, David Bowie's producer, and I met him uh, about a year ago. He was absolutely lovely. And he said that David used to get him to bring back Harry and Paul videos. I mean, these to play in America when they were recording and they'd stop at lunchtime and have a sandwich and watch a bit of Harry and Paul. And at first, David had to explain to all the Americans in the studio why it was funny. And then Tony said, like, everyone got into it, you know. But obviously, you know, it's not everyone has David Bowie uh, kind of explaining why you're funny to you. So I would have generally.
0: To be a fly on the wall as he explained. Yeah, he
1: exactly. Yeah. Wouldn't that have been
0: amazing?
1: Yeah, funny, yeah. Did you ever meet him? No, I didn't. No, no, I didn't, sadly.
0: That's pretty cool no. to know he was such a fan, though, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah, my brother-in-law met him, because, you know, he's a big fan of British comedy, obviously. I mean, that's sort of how he started, really. That was his kind of persona when he started in the 60s, and he was always, like, a a comic, you know, fan, big fan, and he was a big fan of Eddie Izzard, and always out in America doing stuff. So my brother-in-law, who used to tour Eddie, he got to meet him. He got to meet everyone, because Eddie's so popular, you know. But uh, I didn't know, sadly, but it was nice to know. Still a pretty cool thing, to, yeah. I mean,
0: that—that's the sort of thing that you can like at the end of a long day. You're just kind of your, your mind's going a bit crazy. You haven't, you can't really settle down, and then you can go. Actually, Bowie was a fan of mine. That's yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I was a fan of his so we cancelled each other out. But again, <laughs> yeah, exactly. At the age of twelve or thirteen, if I'd ever known David Bowie was going to be, you know, say, like, if you got the new Harry Enfield DVD, I would have been pretty, pretty chuffed. Yes,
0: that would have been amazing. And, and, and Harry, if you don't mind me saying, I mean, we do like to explore people's kind of progression to, to their life as we know it these days. And so I just want to take a very quick journey back because it's I think it's quite well known about you. But I hope you don't mind me kind of reminding people that actually after studying politics at, at York and so on, you actually spent some time squatting and, and doing the milk round and so on.
1: Well, um, that's not quite true. I mean, it's nearly true. Uh, when I was doing a milk round, that was in Finsbury Park. And it was just a, a holiday while I was being a student. And oh, then enough, uh, I was staying with Paul Whitehouse, who was already a friend. This is sort of nineteen eighties.
0: So this was when he was like a plasterer, is that right?
1: No, he was actually, he worked for Hackney Council. Ah, House okay. Department, So he had a flat courtesy of Hackney Council because he worked there. So it was like really convenient for me to cycle to work. So Finsbury Park. Um, But that was only when I was like a student. And then after that, I came down to London and just assumed I'd be allowed to stay in Paul's flat. Uh, And after about two weeks, he told me where to go because (laughs) he didn't want me in the flat. And then a couple of weeks later, he rang up and said, look, there are all these empty flats that are boarded up and the council have decided they're going to give tenancy to anyone in them by a certain date. So me and my friend Ted, we went into one and, you know, we had various friends in a row and we squatted for about a week. And then a nice skinhead man from Hackney Council turned up and said, sign this form. If it was up to me, I'd put you up against the wall and shoot you, but it's not up to me. So I'm giving you tenancy instead. (laughs) 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 Perfect.
0: Perfect. And so so that's where the sort of the fabled partnership. Cause of course you and Paul then went on to do Saturday live on channel four. And yeah. I think that's where Stavros and loads of money were created and so on. And then we know the rest from there. I mean, it's the glorious history. I mean, quick one for you, Harry, cause I know we've, we've got to talk about the Windsors cause it's, it, I'm so excited yes, to discuss this with yeah. you, but, but just a quick one. Cause I'm really curious cause you and Paul had this amazing partnership for such a long time. And of course, you know, Kathy Burke got involved in a big way as well, but, but the very yeah. first show you guys did together after after Saturday Live, was called Harry Enfield's TV programme. Was was, yeah. was was Paul not allowed in the title or was that, like,
1: <laughs> what was going on there? Paul wasn't even allowed in the show at the time. Oh, fair enough. What happened with Paul is Paul was then, by then he'd left Caton Council and he was being a blaster. And every interview I gave, I was already sort of doing Stavros and I was sort of, you know, building up a career and doing Splitting Image and stuff like that. And doing a lot of stand-up. And so I was started to do interviews. And I was doing these interviews in papers, you know, who's this new bloke in comedy? And one of the questions you get asked is, you know, who makes you, you know, which comedian makes you laugh more than any other, i.e. who are your heroes? And I'd say, well, my comedy hero is my mate, Paul, from the pub. And uh, this sort of got around a bit, to the extent that the Daily Mirror once... (laughs) the thing on, Harry's always going on uh, uh, going on about his friends, in inverted commas, Paul Whitehouse. I, you know, tried to sort of make out I was gay. <laughs> which was quite amazing. Brilliant. And, uh, well, actually, back, back then that
0: would have been a scandal, sir. Harry, to be fair. Back well, now it would be yeah, it then, applauded, would but, but yeah.
1: Both, but, I mean, not to me. It was amusing to us. Yes. And then uh, um, basically my producer Jeff Perkins at the time said, look, this bloke Paul, why don't you get him in to write? Uh, because you're always going on about him, and see if he wants to write with you. So he came in to write on Saturday Live with Charlie Higson. And uh, that immediately took off, because that was the year we did loads of money, sort of thing. And then when I did my telly show, it was still like me. No one else in the business knew about Paul. And then Jeffrey said, well, you know, okay, you write these parts, but we're going to audition for every part so Paul had to audition for the characters he'd written. And, of course, he was better than anyone else, so that's how he ended <laughs> up in the show, really.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. Well, thank you for unpacking that for me. I was never quite sure right. on the kind of timeline. Oh, excellent.
1: That's that's excellent. right. Was that boring? I don't know. No, no not, not at all.
0: But I particularly like the idea that you you guys were, were trying to be builders' lovers back in the day. That, would, that
1: was... Yeah, yeah. What a twist that's that, that would have been. Hard yeah.
0: Yeah, well, now, yeah. now it'll be a wonderful thing. Uh, Harry, we've mentioned the, the magic word 60. I hope you don't mind me but sort of raising that. How does mm. that How does that feel? Is that something, because, you know, people started calling you a legend age 40. You've had 20 years of this now. How does that feel being 60? is it? Do you feel your age well, as I it should were? feel
1: past it. I should feel past it. You know, I'm a year older than Pete Cook was when he died. And I remember when I first worked with John Cleese, he was like, 49 or something. And I thought, you are ancient. (laughs) Absolutely ancient. And, uh, you know, so I should be sort of winding down, really. In a way, I am sort of winding down. But then again, other projects come up and writing projects and stuff I want to work on and, you know, things like the Windsors, which came up, really, because I did a little bit of Prince Charles. I'd worked with Burton George, who write the Windsors, you know, for 20 years on and off, they'd written for me and stuff. And they were just about to start that and they didn't know I could do Prince Charles. They saw it on the telly and then said, well, would you do it? And I said, yeah, I'd love to, you know, because I love their writing. And uh, so I sort of ended up being Prince Charles. And, you know, so that's given me another little, funny thing to do well it's you know, more just,
0: it's so much more than that though harry i mean there's the the tv show the channel four show the windsor's of of, of course everyone i mean i would have thought most of the uk have watched it was a huge success absolutely hilarious yeah i mean
1: it's a big success but i don't know who watches you know it's still on more four and i think it's on amazon now as well yeah but it's really funny you know when you look i was trying to i had to write an article on, for the times a sort of diary thing and i i sort of wrote for those of you who haven't seen the winters i was trying to think how to explain it and then i just looked up on more for how they explained each episode they have a little you know thing say yeah, what synopsis, happens yeah them. and it was all things like you know uh, harry is worried about his chickens and kate is replaced by a robot you know yeah that sums it up really (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's that kind of thing you know the way they go on strike for more money and you know it's a kind of it's basically um what i love about it as as i see it it's like the writers of dynasty in america have been told to write like a dynasty type series about the royal family but they don't know anything about them so they're just giving the british (laughs) Red top paper.
0: Oh, nice.
1: That's all they're given for all their research is, is the sun and the mirror and the mail and things. So they have to write a program, you know, based on those facts, you know, Brilliant. and that's what it is, really. <laughs> and the, the, the theatre show in the West End now is, is like an extension of that. You're listening to the Andy J podcast, and we really appreciate having you here with us. If you're enjoying the show, why not leave us a
0: lovely review and perhaps five stars and subscribe wherever you're listening, as it really does help. The Andy J podcast. What a great Well, that's the thing, though, isn't it? It's it is an extension of it, but with a big old twist. And yeah. I, I mean, I'm going to, I hope I'm, I'm no, I don't think I'm going to spoil anything by saying this, no. Harry, you you tell me if I've spoiled anything, but this of is course. a character on stage where, firstly, it is your, it is your musical debut, age 60 on the it's West End, darling. which is a big thing.
1: Musical
0: yeah, sir, yeah, Exactly. Which means you're allowed to say darling. Exactly. Uh, but it also means you're, you're singing in front of other people, not something that I'm familiar with you having done a great deal of. And uh, you get to have a sword fight and best of all, yeah. Oh, I've got to be a little crude here. You get to have sex on stage with uh, Tracy I Ann think, Oberman. I mean, that's... I, yeah. It <laughs> can't have been that too too difficult deciding whether to take this gig.
1: Yeah. What's wrong? Uh, what's not to like about everything you've just said, Andy? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Some gigs are tougher yeah, than others night I,
1: I get to have sex. And they're too. It's quite... Um, I mean, it's... It's a great show. It, it, it's like, um, me and Tracy, well, she's my Camilla and we take Britain back to the dark ages. Okay. Um, the queen, mm. the queen abdicates, we take it back to the dark ages. And then it's like, Wills and Kate have to come along and with the help of Harry and Meghan, you know, they have to make up with them and then they have to kind of try and get back to a constitutional monarchy. You know, that's what sort of happens. Um, and it's completely stupid. And it's got five really good songs. I mean, really, really good songs. And, you know, it's it's, it's much more like a West End show like that, but it's like Spamalot. One of the reviews said it's was Spamalot meets 50 Image.
0: Oh, wow. I mean, you can't... That's it said, high praise.
1: Uh, yeah, it was lovely. And then it said um, fun for all the family as long as your family is inbred and shagging each other. <laughs> <laughs> but Here's the butt, Andy. It gave it only seven and a half out of ten.
0: Oh, come on.
1: Because mm. of my singing. Because oh. of what specifically, yeah. It says you shouldn't be allowed to sing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is that Harry, is that fair? I mean only you can really answer that one.
1: Yeah, I would say I sing in the Rex Harrison style, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I talk, basically. And what happened actually after that review? What happened, I mean, I know why the reviewer did that, because it was the first night of the previews. You know, when you do a show, before you do the opening night with the press there, you spend sort of 10 days trying it out in front of an audience. Okay. And they said to me four days before the preview, would you do a song? And I went, yeah, in for a penny, in for pounds." you know. Anyway, so I learned the song, but they hadn't done the music for it. And I thought, well, you pounced on me four days before the show, so I'm gonna pounce on you and just do the song anyway, without selling the producer or director or anyone. So I did it a cappella on my own.
0: Oh, that, so that's, that's brave.
1: probably why it was quite so dreadful. But having done <laughs> that, they cut it down a bit, so it's not too painful on your ears. Not too long. But it's a very good song. I love doing it. I
0: got it. I've got to come and see this. Oh god, I mean I've got to tell people
1: where it is as well. Every night, we, you know, it, 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 goes, it goes so well every night. No one is bothered. We're just having such a good time, you know. And a, and a lot of the actors of it weren't like Tracy and coward and Kieran Owens, who plays Wills. They weren't in the television show. Yeah. And so they're a bit nervous about taking over other people's characters. But, you know, at the beginning, I was just saying, look, everyone knows the royal family. Everyone knows what you're doing. Just make it your own. Just do your own thing, and they've all done that, and they're all so happy, you know, going down so well, all of them, and that you know that Fergie is new, and her daughters are new, and they're all just brilliant, you know. They literally they storm the place every night.
0: I love this, and it's on at the Prince Charles, the Prince of Wales Theatre, isn't it? You're you're the Prince of Wales at the Prince of Wales Theatre.
1: That's right. Yes, that's we have a little. Yeah, we do have a little on-stage argument about that, me and Wills. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good. Playing
0: to the venue. I love it. Hey, I have read somewhere, you might tell me that I'm talking nonsense, Harry. I regularly do. It's one of my things. But I I, I read somewhere that that Prince Charles has been been slightly miffed at his portrayal. Well, your portrayal of him, rather.
1: Yeah, probably. I mean... uh... Yeah, I heard a rumour. But, you know, there are only rumours these things. You never really know. And I tend to not believe a single thing ever written about the royal family myself. So I don't know if that's true. But I, But if he was, I would say, you know, it's a bit like King Arthur coming back from the day and going to see Spamalot and going, <laughs> hang on, this isn't based on my life. Yeah. I don't recognize any of this. You know, it's, it's like that.
0: Yes, he's just, he's just a character that you're sending up rather than an individual. Yeah, he's
1: well. a character and the poor guy, you know, he's into things that we're all into now, like ecology and trying to save the planet. And uh, at the time, you know, he was always portrayed as completely bonkers for that. So obviously we portray him as bonkers for having all those views, but obviously, you know, that's not the case at all in real life. So no, absolutely. I don't think he's right. Like, Anything to worry about with our show? No, I,
0: I imagine he'd really love it if he came. Like maybe he'd whack on a disguise one night and just pop himself in there and and, and watch. Yeah, I that, mean,
1: in fact, we we did have Andy. We had a um, a little rebellion. Song at the end that we all sing together, and it goes, "We are the Winters." And one of the things goes, "We always do our duty and never ever make a fuss." We are the Winters. God save us! And then Bert, the writer changed it to we always do our duty and never ever take a bus, right? Because okay. he thought it was quite funny. <laughs> and after a few days, like, do you know what? You know, we all thought, actually, this is the one point where <laughs> in the show, having been completely preposterous about all of them, where we could actually make a point, which is they never ever make a fuss. You know, as a family, that's one of their things. Yeah. They don't fuss about it. And we should put that back and go. Go on, hats off to them.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, gone back in. We never ever make a fuss.
0: I love that. I love it. What's mm. your personal connection, Harry? Have you ever met any? You must have met one or two of them, the royal family. Yeah,
1: I've met Princess Anne. She was really funny, and I've met Camilla, and she was really nice. Those are the only two I've met. And okay. So you know, I've got, I've got, uh, you know, a charity things. Yes, And they were both incredibly nice, but I hadn't met any of the others.
0: Do you know, that surprises me. For some reason, I'd have thought you'd have been, you know, royal variety or invited to the gardens or something, you know, just because you're Harry Enfield.
1: I nearly got to meet Prince Edward, who's like the big star of our show. (laughs) He plays all like really, really silly little parts the whole way through because he used to work for Andrew Lloyd Webber in real life in the really useful company so he's like really excited about the whole show but um and that's um Matthew Cottle who plays him on telly who plays him yes but there was some time it was sort of comic relief in about I don't know late 80s and I was being made up just about to go on and they said his royal you know someone came in and said his royal highness Prince Edward is about to come in, and when he comes in, he got to stand up and call him Sir. And I just went, "I'm not standing up." And they said, "You have to." I said, "I'm not," and I'm not calling him Sir. He's a bloke my age. I'm not doing it, you know. And they said, "Well, you've got to." <laughs> oh, I said, oh, well, not. <laughs> you know, I just didn't want to do it. You <laughs> know, it's just felt wrong to me. I, uh, and so he didn't come into the room. So he didn't he... come into our. Room.
0: Wow. So, so, I mean, he probably personally didn't refuse. I imagine his aides were like, "No, I'm- there's... There's a bloke in there that won't stand up for you, sir. Yeah, Sorry.
1: therefore, don't want to get involved in all that. So we'll <laughs> go. So that's what they did. So that's the nearest I've got to meet a real one. Other than Princess Anne, who's obviously a real one.
0: Of course she is. I wonder if he was loitering outside the door, Harry. Like, he was probably really excited to meet you. and then and Yeah, then
1: who knows? He probably off. wasn't. He probably didn't know who I was. You know, I, I think they're a bit rarefied. Oh, I like, don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? So, yeah. let's, so let's let's
0: anyway. let's give out that cuz we have got to make I, I'll be told off if I get this wrong Harry. The, the Windsor's end game is on now and it has it's you've been running for a few uh, a couple of weeks now which is great. But the best yeah. thing about this is you've you've got a bit of a run. You're on until mid October, aren't you?
1: We're on until October the 8th. Yeah. Yeah. And we're getting really good houses. You know this whole sort of covid thing. You have to take a, you know, lateral flow that you get from a chemist before you come or have your two jab, passport, or whatever. And, you know, it's it's been incredible. And no one's got COVID. No one's sort of got involved in all that. And it's just so nice for people, Andy, to be back in the theatre. Yeah. You know, it's every night. It's like, um, you know, it starts at the beginning with, this is written two years ago. Burton and George wrote their original draft. And uh, sadly, George died last year of a heart attack. So, um, you know, Burt sort of carried on, on on his own kind of thing. But there's a, there was a line from two years ago where Edward starts to play, saying it's great to be back in the theatre. I used to work for Andrew Lloyd Webber's really useful company. And now when he says it's great to be back in the theatre, the audience just spontaneously erupts. Oh, I bet. Oh. From then it's just a, a ball the whole
0: way through. Right? Oh, brilliant! I bet it is really special. I've got to come. Do you know it's my birthday in the middle of September? I'm going to come and I'm to, yeah, I'm going to come to the show. I'm going to come are to you show my Tell birthday. me how old you are. I will be well on the 16th of September. I will be 44.
1: Oh, you lucky thing! Yeah, that's a lovely age.
0: <laughs> well, no one's 40. calling no one's calling Great. me a legend. I can tell you that much.
1: You are a legend, Andy. You are. <laughs> and, will you come? Please do come. I'd love to. Christmas for your birthday. Yeah. And we'll give you a shout out. We'll get you in there somewhere. Oh,
0: <laughs> that would be a joy. I genuinely, I would love to. I would love to because the show sounds fantastic. And obviously, I've, because of our chat, I've read all the reviews and I've only seen brilliant things. I mean, you know. Yeah.
1: I think The Guardian didn't like it. It's quite funny because there's one place where um, uh, everyone has to go, Do you believe in a constitutional monarchy? And they all have to go, We believe in a constitutional monarchy. And for the first few days, they were like, no, you know, boom, things <laughs> like that. And they had to, Wheels and Kate had to sort of react to that. And that's got much less since the Guardian review, I have to say. <laughs> 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 we were <laughs> a bunch of waiters and, and everything. But everyone else has been great, yeah. And yeah. Uh, we've got lots of letters. It's funny, isn't it, what people say. But I've had so many sort of letters and so of other people and emails, the production company saying it's so much better than I thought it would be.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know, that's a that's a leap of faith, isn't it? I mean, if you, if you didn't think yeah. it was going to be great, but you still bought tickets,
1: good for you. Yeah, well, <laughs> they always think it's going to be funny, but not as funny as it is. And, you know, also it's only 90 minutes, so it's like a football game, you know, it's two halves. And that was one of our big things too, was to keep it, like, short, because... I go to the theatre a lot. I really like the theatre. But the amount of people who go to sleep in the theatre is, is enormous. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just a sort of natural instinct. If you're an insomniac, you, you should take yourself to the theatre and you will be asleep within 10 minutes, usually.
0: Brilliant.
1: And uh, this one, no one has fallen asleep at all.
0: Well, that that yeah. needs to be on a poster.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, you won't fall asleep. Yeah, we'll fall asleep.
0: no chance of of ninety winks. Yeah, brilliant. Oh no, I am definitely I'm I'm in. This sounds wonderful, and I've got to say, Harry, without sounding too sycophantic, it's an absolute pleasure talking to you. What a joy! Well, thanks,
1: Harry. and to you, really brilliant. enjoyed
0: it. Brilliant. Been, Thank you awesome. so much. I've really enjoyed it, Harry. And you listen, I'm I will. I will see you at the very least. I'll be sat somewhere in that crowd watching you as Prince Charles. Let us know
1: when you're coming, Andy, and we'll come come and give you a shout out and come and say hello.
0: Oh, bless you. That's really kind. Thank you, Harry. I I will. I've got your number. You've got mine. I'll I'll FaceTime you. Yeah, thank you. Legend. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Harry. Take it easy. Have a great day. The Andy J Podcast. What a guy. Loved him. Loved him. And I can tell you, I can share this now, that actually I am going to go and see the show, and Harry has been really lovely. I mentioned to him that I've I've got tickets, and he's like, right, we're going to have a drink. We're going to have a drink. Come and see me afterwards. We'll go out and have a nice time. So I'll let you know how I get on. Really looking forward to catching up with Harry. What a guy. Loved him. Really loved him. Anyway, in a couple of days' time, if you're a follower of the Andy J podcast, you'll get an alert that tells you new episode, bonus episode. That will be with the Reverend Richard Coles, and it is one hell of a conversation, a chat not to be missed. So, well, if you're not following, hit the follow button. And thank you. Really appreciate it. Go well. Have a lovely week. Make someone smile. The Andy J podcast. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.